Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. It is good to see everybody. I'm happy to see you didn't blow away yesterday. What was that? Like, goodness sakes, man, that was a wild, wild day yesterday. My, I feel bad, my neighbors, whenever you go into our neighborhood, it's just, it's crazy everywhere. There's fences down. Uh, our neighbor, man, our neighbor got it real bad. They have a basketball hoop that, I mean, it was a little bit rusted, nothing crazy, but a little bit rusted towards the bottom. Whenever we were coming home yesterday, that thing snapped in half just completely snapped in half. Whenever we were pulling up, I was like, oh, I think they got one of those rollaway hoops that's not in the ground, you know? And it tipped over and we come up close and you see it just snapped. I'm like, oh, no, not a rollaway. That's, that's not good. <laughs> um, oh, and it's funny. This is, has nothing to do with the sermon. But um, my, my sister, that's a nice preamble to the sermon, right? This has nothing to do with the sermon today. Uh, my sister and brother-in-law came over last night because their power got knocked out and they had no idea when it would come back on. Their community Facebook page said, we don't know when it will come back on. So they came over to our house. They're like, we use our phones as our alarms, everything like that. So we need to come over if it's okay and charge our stuff. So they did. They came to find out. They, they came over to our house. They loaded up their dog. Like they came over and hung out for a while. Came to find out their power kicked on about three minutes after they left their house yesterday. <laughs> Isn't that how it goes? <laughs> But hey, I'm excited you guys are here. I'm excited you didn't blow away. Welcome to Cornerstone. Are we feeling good today, church? Feeling good. There we go. Ooh, I like a little rowdy today. I like it. Everyone got their coffee this morning. Um, well, hey, uh, I'm happy to see you. If you're new at Auto Cornerstone, you're a visitor or anything, we're happy to have you. My name is Jacob. I'm uh, the lead pastor here at Cornerstone. Uh, thrilled that you're joining us today. Thrilled to everybody watching with us online as well. Man, we have people watching us all over. It's crazy. It's not just, you know, people who are sick and can't make it to church today. We got people in different states, people in different countries watching us. It's just an awesome thing, and I'm, I'm excited that we're all here today as we get ready to kick off this brand new two-part series called Already But Not Yet. Can you say that with me? Already But Not Yet. Now, this is a theological concept, this idea of already but not yet that I want us to dive into. And this series is actually gonna be a nice little follow-up to where we were in our last series when we studied the book of Hebrews, a series called Better. If you missed that, you can catch uh, uh, up with us online, uh, cornerstonechurch.info, you can watch it on there. But this is gonna be a nice little follow-up. I wanted us to dive into a few concepts that we talked about this last series just a little bit more. Um, so let me, let me explain this title real quick, already but not yet. This is a, a concept that we see all over the pages of Scripture. One of the biggest places we see it uh, is in reference to the kingdom of God. We're in this weird tension where the kingdom of God is here, like it's at hand. We're, we're getting ready to celebrate, actually, the, the moment that it was inaugurated when Jesus died on the cross, when he rose in power, the kingdom of God was at hand, this new way of living, this new reality that we live in. So it's here, but whenever you read Scripture, you see it's also coming. <laughs> and so it's kind of confusing. And, and if you're reading scripture, you can be kind of confused because you're reading, it's like, oh, kingdom of God is at hand, it's here. Then you read a little bit later and it talks about how it's coming still. You're like, well, okay, is it here or is it not? Like, what's, what's going on? What's at play here? And we see that not just in reference to the kingdom of God, 
but we see it all over the place. We see it when scripture talks about us. Scripture will say things like, um, uh, we're sanctified in Christ, but we have yet to be sanctified in Christ. We are saved in Christ, but we have yet to be saved in Christ. And you're going like, okay, am I, am I just stupid or am I not understanding what's really going on here, what scripture is really saying here? So there's this weird tension of already, but not yet. Specifically when it comes to these two concepts, and these are gonna be very theological words. Don't worry, we're gonna be diving into them over uh, this week and next week. But today, we're gonna be looking at sanctification. Next week, we're gonna be looking at salvation, what these words mean and what this already but not yet concept looks like in regards to them. So if you got your Bible, if you got a Bible, uh, great. If not, we'll have the scriptures up on the screen. But if you got your Bible and a sermon notebook, let's get ready, let's dive in. We're gonna be starting today, we're gonna be in a few different pieces of scripture, but I want us to start in 2 Corinthians chapter five. We're gonna be looking at verses 17 through 21. And this is what it says, this is what the apostle Paul writes. He says this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. That's good news right there. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's good news, amen, absolutely. That is, that's good news what we just read, that we are new creations in Christ. That the moment we are in Christ, the old is gone and the new is here, the new is present. That's, that's true for us, it's, it's already happened. But, <laughs> but, I want us now to look at Romans, Romans chapter seven. We're gonna look at verses 21 through 25. This is the Apostle Paul describing himself. This is the Apostle Paul describing himself after his conversion to Jesus. There's some debate, people saying, well, this is Paul talking about himself before he found Jesus. No, this is the Apostle Paul talking about his condition after he found Jesus, after Jesus uh, uh, appeared to him and he was converted. This is what it says starting in verse 21 of Romans 7. Paul says, I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Whose life verse is that, right? You're like, you got that tattooed. You're like, Romans 7, 21. I'm claiming that for me, right? You, you, know, you know what you're supposed to do. You know the right thing. And you're like, but I inevitably do what I shouldn't do. I inevitably do what is wrong. Verse 22, I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am who will free me, right? I mean, man, the Apostle Paul is just like self-flagellation, right? He's like, man, what a miserable person I am, which makes us go, geez, what hope do we have, right? If the Apostle Paul is saying this about himself, but he says, man, what a miserable person I am who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Who else is confused, right? I thought, hold up, these are the same authors. 
Paul wrote Romans and he wrote the letter to the Corinthian churches. And so we'll hold up. Like, I thought I'm a new creation. Old is gone, new has come. But then here's Paul saying, man, I wanna do what's right. I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna do the things that I know I need to do, but I don't. There's so many times that I fall short. There's so many times that I don't live up to where I'm supposed to be. That's confusing. This is the kind of stuff that makes people, like this is just a little side tangent. Whenever people deconstruct from faith, whenever they have questions with their faith, this is the kind of stuff that throws people off because we'll be like, well, the Bible is very clear. The Bible is so clear. And people are like, that, that was clear to you? Because I'm kind of confused, right? Like this is, this is a confusing concept to me. Uh, uh, so I don't know how to, how to work with this. Am I a saint or am I a sinner? Like which, which one is? And that's our title for today, saints and sinners. Can you say it with me? Saints and sinners. If you believe you're sitting next to a saint, raise your hand. If you believe you're sitting next to a sinner, raise your hand. There it is. <laughs> There's all the wives. The wives are like, yep, I'm sitting next to a sinner. <laughs> well, as, as we start into this idea today, as we start into this idea today, I just started a whole lot of fights after service today. <laughs> whole lot of really quiet car rides home. Um, <laughs> but as we start into today, this is, this is where I want us to begin, and it's actually where we ended Last week, it's one of the main points from uh, last week's sermon. I want us to hit on this again and kind of dive into this. This is what we need to realize from the start as we start uh, studying today is it's possible, and it is. I mean, you see it in, in Scripture over and over again. It's possible to be saved in Christ and still stuck in sin. Like, that's, it, it's, a, it's an ugly reality we have to face. We don't want that to be true, but it is. It's possible to be saved in Christ but still stuck in sin. I mean, it says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, what we just read, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The life has begun. It's just started. It doesn't mean that the life is perfected. It means that you're a new creation, but that new creation, it, it, it still has some hiccups, <laughs> still has some bumps in the road. As you begin this new life in Christ, you can still get stuck in sin. You can still struggle with sin. It is possible to be saved in Christ and stuck in sin. These two states of being can coexist. They just can. I, I gotta pick on Pastor Brenda real quick. This is this is, this is because I was a pastor's kid, okay? I was a pastor's kid, and so I'm just getting my revenge because I, be, I used to be the illustration every week, so I'm just getting my licks in while I can. Um, <laughs> so, so Pastor Brenda, brilliant lady, brilliant lady. She, she's written books. She's you know, got multiple degrees. She's brilliant, brilliant lady. If you've spent any time around her, you know how smart she is. Well, this is, this is years ago. Um, she... She was getting ready to have tapes converted over to DVD, like a bunch of our old family tapes. She wanted to get them converted. Um, and so she brings up a, she has a big box from the basement that has all these old tapes and not a lot of them have labels on them, right? So there's, there's no labels. So she's wanting to watch them to kind of see, okay, is this something that I even want to spend the money and the time getting converted over to DVD? So she asked me, she's like, hey, I, I found our old VCR. Can you help me kind of get it hooked up? and get me going. I'm like, yeah, sure. So I, I come over and get it hooked up, because I get it. That, that part is difficult, right? Like the, the connections in the back for a VCR, it's an older technology, it's kind of weird and wonky. So I help her, get, help her get that set up. And then she's like, okay, so what, what do I do now? And I get ready to start doing it for her. And then I'm like, you know what? 
give a man a fish, he'll be filled for the day. Teach a man to fish, he'll be good the rest of his life, right? So I'm like, I'm gonna teach my mom how to fish in this moment. I'm gonna teach her how to fish. So I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna do it for you. I'm gonna walk, I'm, I'm just gonna sit back and let you start, okay? Like, I'm gonna sit back and let you start. You start doing what you think you should do, and I'll help you along the way, because I'm like, I don't, I don't know when you'll wanna do these, and it'll be hard for me to just come over at any time, so let me try to train you. She's like, okay, okay. I'm like, okay, so, so go. What, what's the first thing that you, you would do? She's like, okay, well, the TV's on, I'll put the tape in. So she grabs the VHS, and anyone who's like Gen Z, you, you probably won't get this. You'll be like, why is that funny? <laughs> but for anyone who's older than Gen Z, you'll be like, oh my gosh. So she grabs the tape and goes to put it in the VCR, and she's got the tape completely upside down. Like the holes are facing up, and she goes to put it in. The second I saw her do that, I'm like, no, nope, never mind, just give it to me. I'll come over every time. I'll come over every single time. <laughs> like, if that's where we're starting with this, you're gonna burn the house to the ground trying to get these things <laughs> converted on your own. <laughs> and what, what's so funny about that is she's brilliant. Like, she's brilliant. She's brilliant, she's smart. And that thing that for a lot of people would be like, oh yeah, I know how to work that, that had her baffled. She's like, I don't know how to work this, right? Because it's not her, her sweet spot. And so these two things could coexist at the exact same time. That she's brilliant and was confused by this. If that can be true there, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that can be true in your walk with Christ. That you can be saved and stuck in sin. These things that seem so, so diametrically opposed to each other, these things that seem like, well, there, there's no way. Yeah, they actually do end up coexisting together in a lot of ways. Now, this is something very important that I wanna get out of the way before I go any farther. I am not okaying sin today. Like, I don't want you to already be tracking down the road and going, oh, I know how this sermon ends. Like, we're all just having fun and God loves us regardless. Like, that is not where I'm going with, with today. I'm not wanting us to okay sin today. What I'm wanting us to do is to just grapple with reality today. And what I've been worried about is that for a lot of us, we don't grapple with this reality. It's not both and, it's either or. Well, you're either saved or you're stuck in sin. There's no in between. No, there, there is. There's actually a lot of in between. You, you can be saved and stuck in sin at the same time. Um, you know that's true because you live that out. <laughs> you live it out in your life. You know that what we're talking about today is a true thing. And, and we need to understand this truth because if we don't, man, it is discouraging. It's discouraging whenever you believe that it's an either or. Like, well, I'm, I'm either saved or I sin. And that is a, that's a sad, sad place to be when we confuse, because that's, that's salvation, right? Like salvation, salvation is settled. And when we confuse sanctification and salvation, we end up in frustration. <laughs> like, it, whenever we get those two things confused, salvation and sanctification, we can be frustrated in our faith. We can feel like we've constantly gotta get saved over and over and over again. When we confuse sanctification with salvation, it leads to frustration, it leads to doubt, constantly wondering, am I really saved? Do I really love Jesus? Am I really in relationship with him? See, what we're talking about today is is sanctification. I I wanna read this to you. This is another uh, section from the book of Romans. We're gonna read about eight verses here. This is Romans uh, 8, chapter 5, through 13. Let me read this to you. This is so good. This is the Apostle Paul again. He says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. 
So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature, people who have never been saved, people who never put their faith and trust in Jesus can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit. If you have the spirit of God living in you, and remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living in you. Therefore, Dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die, but if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Hear what he's saying, you you, you have no obligation to live under the sinful nature anymore. And what that implies in that very sentence is choice, right? He's not saying, hey, you have no choice to live under the sinful nature because it's gone, it's dead, it doesn't exist anymore. Paul's saying like, no, you you do. You're just not obligated to follow it anymore. You don't have to be a slave to, to what it tries to get you to do anymore. A new day has come. You can be sanctified. You can kill your sin and walk in the spirit. That's, that's what sanctification is, is allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, to kill sin off in our life so that we can become more like Jesus. That's the difference between salvation and sanctification. Think about it this way. Salvation, salvation is I'm in the family. I'm in the family. There's nothing that could happen that could take me out of the family. I am in the family of God. That's salvation. Sanctification is I'm gonna live like I'm in the family. I'm gonna act like I'm a part of the family. I'm gonna change the way that I am through the power of the Holy Spirit and I'm gonna live out my new identity. But those are different things, Right? Those are, those are different things, and we've got to understand that. We've got to understand sanctification and salvation. They are different. They are different. Here, here's another way I'll, I'll phrase it. Um, sanctification, um, it's not a moment. It's a movement. Like, sanctification is not this, like, boom, whoa, I'm perfect. Like, I'm holy now. I have a halo, and I, I look just like Jesus, and I sound just like Jesus, and I'm just like Jesus. That's not what sanctification is. Sanctification is this, this movement of God, this movement of the Holy Spirit working in my life and changing me and molding me and making me more like Jesus, more kind, more gentle, more full of grace and truth. It's a movement. It's a movement. Again, that's, that's what we just read uh, in Romans 8, verses 12 and 13. I want to read it just one more time. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. That is sanctification. Living by the Spirit, trying as good as we can to, in cooperation, start coming into agreement with God. Start coming into agreement with the Holy Spirit and allowing him to change and to work in our lives. Sanctification, it's not a moment, it's a movement. And I think this is where Christians, this is the foundation of a lot of frustration for Christians <laughs> because they, they confuse salvation and sanctification all the time. And so they come to Jesus and, and they get saved and they'll be on fire for a little bit, but then 
They fall back on old habits. They fall back on old sins and are like, well, was I even saved? Am I really saved? It's like, yeah, you're, you're saved. You're just not sanctified yet. Like, yes, you've already been saved, but you're not yet perfect. Like, you're, you've already been saved, but you're not yet sanctified. It's, it's a process. It's, it's a movement of the spirit. It doesn't happen in a moment. Um, like, I think about uh, becoming, whenever me and Jessica became parents, um, that, that's a scary moment, right? Whenever you become a parent for the first time, I can still remember like uh, the moment that it was the most real to me. Like obviously Eden, our firstborn, whenever she was born, that's like a whoa kind of moment. But the biggest like whoa moment for me was when we were leaving the hospital. That's trippy, man, because like even whenever the baby's born, like you're in the hospital and like there's nurses coming around. They're like, you want me to change the baby or do you got it? You want us to take the baby to the other room for a little bit? And you're like, yeah, sure, why not? Like, yeah, dude, can I get another turkey sandwich from the like deli down there? You know, it feels totally different. And then whenever they're like getting you discharged and you get everything, you're still all like, yeah, this is great. And you know, Jessica's in the wheelchair and we go out and go to the parking garage and they're like, all right, Mr. and Mrs. Young, have a great day, congratulations again. And they walk away and you're like, bye. So like, this is, just, this is it now. Like, do we need a permit? Like, do I need to take, go to a trade school for a little bit? Like, what do we do now? Like, this is, this is nuts. And so you load them into the car and it's just, that, it's a whirlwind, right? It's a whirlwind. And, and in that moment, like whenever, whenever Eden's born, like we instantly, in that moment, we're parents. Like I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a parent, I am a father in that moment. Jessica's a mother in that moment. It's, and it's crazy and it's like, whoa, this is, this is wild. But the process of becoming more familiar with Eden, the process of becoming a, a, a daddy and a mommy, it was just that. It was a process. It was a process. We, we, we got to know her better. We got to learn her. We got to know her little habits and her little personality and what she likes and what she didn't like and like all these, all these different things and what can help put her to sleep and what can make her happy. Like that was a process becoming a, a great mommy and a great daddy. That, that didn't happen in a moment. It wasn't just instantaneous. The second that we had her, we just, yep, I know exactly what to do. I'm never gonna make any mistakes. I'm gonna get it all right. I'm gonna be the perfect daddy. Like, that didn't happen. I'm, I'm still in process. There's still things. Eden is gonna turn 10 this year. 10, oh my gosh, she's gonna turn 10 this year. And I'm, I'm still learning. And I'm still getting things wrong. And I'm still in process, Sanctification, us becoming more like Jesus, it's just that, it's a process. It's, it's not a moment. Don't feel discouraged if in a moment it doesn't feel like you've, you've changed. If in a moment it doesn't feel like, wow, I, all my old wants and all my old desires are just gone. It's not a moment, it's a movement. It's a movement. That, that is something that I gotta tell you whenever I really understood that, it gave me so much freedom in my faith to truly understand, you know what, this is, this is a movement. This is a lifelong process and this is, can I just say this is a quick aside? For anybody who you're like, I don't know, Pastor Jacob, because it, I know people who it feels like it was just a moment. Like it feels like they just, it's a moment. Can I say, for the people who it seems like it was just a moment for them, they might be wearing a really good mask. Maybe it's more of a mask than a moment. Not everybody. I mean, there's some people who come and man, they're, they're radically sanctified in a moment. 
but stop comparing yourself to other people because, well, man, they've been, they've been saved for, you know, like a month and it seems like they're, they're more perfect than I am and they're way farther down the road than I am. Man, it, don't, don't compare yourself to other people's walk of faith. Don't compare yourself to other people's where they're at and be like, well, you know what? God must really be discouraged with me. He must really be disappointed in me because I'm not in that place. It is a process. It is a process. It's not a moment. It's a movement, and it does. It gives us freedom when we know that. Not freedom to sin, not freedom to be like, awesome, well, let me just do whatever I want to, and whenever someone calls me out on it, be like, hey, I'm in process. <laughs> Don't have to tell you. Remember what Pastor Jacob talked about? <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just in process. No, it's, it's not freedom and sin. It's, it's a freedom that just knows I'm in. Like, I, when, when I put my faith and trust in Jesus and I try to follow him, I'm in. God, God is never gonna love me more than he loves me in this moment. He's never gonna be more happy than he's happy with me in this moment. He, he's never going to uh, want me more than he wants me right now. Like, I'm, I'm already in, and that's the freedom that we can live our faith from. It's not, it's not something that we're, we work for. It's something that we work from, not freedom to sin, but a freedom that knows that we're in. So this is what I wanna kind of challenge you with, uh, uh, this thought is, okay, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to being saved, I'm as saved as I'll ever be, but I'm as sanctified as I want to be. That's one of the big differences. I'm, I'm as saved, like I will never be more saved than I am in this moment. Like I'm, this is it. Jesus has, he's purchased me. I put my faith and my trust in him. I'm as saved as I will ever be, but sanctified, I'm as sanctified as I wanna let the Holy Spirit work in my life. I'm as sanctified as I want to be if I, if I want to come into agreement with God, if I wanna come into agreement with God in different areas of my life and go, yeah, I'm, I'm missing the mark here. Like, I need help. I'm, I'm missing the mark. I'm not where I should be. I'm not saying the things I should. I'm not doing the things that I should. I'm as saved as I'll ever be. I'm as sanctified as I wanna be as I let the Holy Spirit work in my life. Again, verse nine of Romans eight, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. We, we can come into agreement with the spirit working in us. We can come into agreement with those little promptings that we feel when we say that thing, when we do that thing, whenever God's just saying, ah, that's an, I, I made you for more. I made you for better than this. We can come into agreement in those moments. We can become more sanctified. We can become more like Jesus as we listen to him. Um, I, this last year, I've had a few little health scares here and there. Some of you may have known about that. I've, I've mentioned it a, a few times. Uh, just weird, like, palpitations with my heart. Um, I, I did, they took me uh, in an ambulance and, you know, did all the tests at the hospital, all the blood work, everything. This is, this is what's so frustrating. They did all the tests, and it comes back, and, like, the blood work, you know how they give you those ranges of, like, here's low, here's high, and here's like the sweet spot where you wanna be. I'm, this is not kidding, this is not exaggerating. Everything was right in the sweet spot. Like every single thing was right in there. And I'm like, well, that's good, but frustrating because I know I felt something. Like I want, I want there to be a marker that's like, yeah, this is what was wrong. So they gave me the blood test, everything's fine. I got one of those halter monitors that you wear for a while. I wore that, that came back fine. So basically my doctor's diagnosis was like the shrug emoji, just... We, we don't know. We, we, we know what it wasn't. Like, that's, that's what we can give you. And I'm like, awesome, cool, that's great. That's awesome to just have no idea why I felt that way a few times. So 
um, I, I left the hospital and I felt encouraged because I'm like, okay, well, that's good. Like, my, my heart seems to be in a good place. Whatever I felt, you know, I, I don't know what it was, but my heart seems to be in a good place. But it started to dawn on me. I'm like, okay, I don't know what it is. So I just wanna, I wanna do whatever I can to get as healthy as I can, right? Because in that moment, <laughs> it kind of hit me, I'm alive as I'll ever be, but I'm as healthy as I wanna be. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm never gonna be more alive than I am right now. I, I'm alive, I'm alive in this moment. But healthy, th- that's something I actually, I, I can be more healthy. Like, I, I, I can strive to be better. I can strive to get myself into better shape. And so, I, that's what I'm doing. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to get into a better place because I don't know what that was with my body. I don't know what, so... I'm doing different things, and uh, me and our, our executive director, Caleb, uh, we've been talking, there's this like TikTok trend of people doing like 12, 3.30 on a treadmill. Has anyone ever heard of this? 12, 3.30? Like, a lot, of, a lot of people will post about it and be like, yeah, you get on a treadmill, you set the incline to 12, you, you walk at speed three, and you do it for 30 minutes. And I remember watching that, I'm like, oh, geez, this is gonna be ridiculous. Like, this is gonna be too easy. I hopped on, I was like three minutes in, and I'm, my, my Apple Watch is like, do you want us to call a paramedic? Are you having a heart attack? I'm like, no, just work it out, <laughs> right? Like, it was, it was intense. <laughs> so I'm doing that, and I'm doing other things, because I, I realized, like, the, the health, the health, that's something that I can help. That's something that I can come into agreement that my condition can actually be improved. I can be better there. I'm alive as I'll ever be. I can't change how alive I am. I'm just, I'm alive. I can change how healthy I am. Your salvation, you can do nothing to improve upon it because <laughs> you did nothing to earn it. It, it, was, it was literally a gift. It was just a complete and utter gift from God that he gave you. You can do nothing to improve on that, but when it comes to being more like Jesus, when it comes to being sanctified, that's an area where it's like, okay, I, yeah, I can hop on the treadmill. <laughs> like, yeah, I can, I can put down the donut. I can, I can do things to improve how I'm coming into agreement with what God says about my condition. I'm as live as I'll ever be, but I'm as healthy as I wanna be. I'm as saved as I'll ever be, but I'm as sanctified as I wanna be. That's that's just the truth. That's what we see reiterated over and over again in Scripture. So what that means, whenever we look at it, very similar to our, our physical health, our spiritual health, our walk with Jesus then is not about perfection, it's about progress. It's, it's not about, let me, I need to make sure, we, we've joked about this numerous times, I need to make sure I hit every day on my yearly Bible reading plan or else God's gonna be upset with me. I gotta make sure I, I, I hit 52 weeks of perfect attendance throughout the year at church. I gotta do all these things. That's not what it's about. Our faith, our walk with Jesus, it's about progress, not perfection. Progress, not perfection. Um, you can be saved and stuck at the same time but you just want to progress through it. You can be saved and stuck, just don't be the same, right? Like you can be saved and stuck, but man, just every day try to be a little bit better. I've heard other pastors talk about it this way, and I love that he, he had a friend who he was talking with, uh, and his buddy, he's, he was just feeling really down about himself. Like, man, I just feel like, am I making any progress? <laughs> like, am I making any progress? Because I look at my faith, and I look at the things that I struggle with, and I look at where I was seven years ago, and it feels like it's that same stinking thing. It's that same thing that I've struggled with. And the pastor's talking to him, and he's like, man, let me tell you, I'm, I'm not trying to just like blow steam at you or anything like that. Yeah, it's, it's the same issue. But you're circling the same issue at a different height than you used to. 
like, I get it. Yeah, you need to do better. Of course, I'm not telling you to just settle where you're at, but, but don't, don't fall into this trap that feeling like you're the same that you were, because you're not. You're circling this thing at a different height. You're doing better than you used to. There, there's progress here, and your faith is about that. It's about progress, not perfection. And what I'm worried is that you're, you're gonna try to make perfection happen, never be able to hit it, and then just give up. Be like, well, what's the use? God is requiring perfection from me, and I'm never gonna hit it. He's not requiring that of you. He's just asking for progress. He's just asking for little steps and little steps. So yes, you can be saved and stuck. Just don't be stuck in the same way. Take little steps. Trust God in different ways. Take steps to move forward. Have God truly change you from the inside out. This is what it says again, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. That word uh, reconciling right there, reconcile, the Greek word for that is katalasso, katalasso, and what it re- actually means is change, like change. And so whenever we see that, we see that Scripture is telling us God was bringing people to himself, changing them, transforming them, this idea of this constant ongoing thing, not just a one and done and boom, you're perfect now, act the way you should. No, it's, it's a process. God is drawing us to himself and he is changing us over time. And Cornerstone, this is, this is what I can promise you. Um, as, long as, as long as I'm lead pastor, and we've had this even before I became lead pastor, as long as I am lead pastor, this idea that our walk with Jesus is about progress, not perfection, as long as I'm lead pastor, Cornerstone will get that right. You do not have to worry that we'll ever expect perfection out of you. That, that's something we will get right because this is so important and this is so vital to the message of Christianity. It's so important and so vital to our faith that it is about progress, not perfection. One of our core values here at Cornerstone is we'll save you a seat. And the whole idea behind it is that if you are a sincere seeker, if you're a sincere seeker of Jesus, we will clear the way to the cross for you. We're not gonna get in the way. We're not gonna tell you, no, you're not allowed. We're gonna be like, <laughs> run right ahead. <laughs> run, run right ahead because we realize there is no perfection required here. This is a church that whenever we say, hey, no, no perfect people expected, we truly mean it because your pastor's not perfect. I need the cross just as much as everybody else does. This is, this is an all skate at Cornerstone. Like this, is, this is something for all of us, our faith, our walk with Jesus, it is progress not perfection, progress, not perfection. And so what Cornerstone plans and what we try to do as much as we can, and we're an imperfect church, we don't get it right all the time, but what we want to do, we wanna be a church that walks with you while the Holy Spirit works in you. That's what we wanna do. Me, as your pastor, I, I'm, I would make a terrible Holy Spirit in your life. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that I'm the one who needs to get up here and fire and brimstone and I need to convict you of sin, that job's taken. Jesus tells us that's what the Holy Spirit's job is. He will go into the world, he will convict people in sin and righteousness and then lead people into all truth. That, that's their job. And so what I try to do as much as possible, what we as a church try to do as much as possible is just clear the way. Hey, I'm gonna walk with you and I'm gonna trust that the Holy Spirit's gonna work in you. That's what our faith is supposed to be about progress over perfection, progress over perfection. Uh, and then we, we mention this all the time here at Cornerstone because it's so true. Do not get discouraged whenever you feel like, like you're not, you know, exactly where you need to be or if you feel like other people 
are judging you because you're not exactly where you're supposed to be. We know what terrible judge of character we are a lot of the time, right? We, we mentioned this uh, just a few series ago, the, the whole idea of the rich young ruler and the thief on the cross. And by all accounts, most of us, most of people in the Christian faith, the rich young ruler, this man who approaches Jesus, um, uh, seems to have everything together. Like, this dude's been doing everything. He's, he's been keeping the Ten Commandments. He's asking Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him, hey, follow these commandments. And he's saying, I've, I've done that. I've done it since I was a boy. I've been keeping these, these commands. And so if you're in the crowd that day, you're like, dude, this guy, this guy's better than us. Like maybe one of us disciples should step out and let this guy come in and take a spot because he's better than I ever was. Like he's following things closer than, than I ever followed them. But yet through their conversation, Jesus tells him another thing he needs to do and the guy's unwilling to do it and, and, and he walks away and you're going, wow, that's, that's amazing, that's incredible. This, this guy wasn't good enough, right? That he, he didn't have things uh, in a way that he should have because by all external accounts, it looked like he did. Whereas the thief on the cross, this person who is being hung on a Roman cross next to Jesus, and what we know about the Romans is they didn't just hang people on a cross for nothing. Like, if you're put on a cross, you have done something awful, you've been a revolutionary, you, you, you've committed a heinous act, and the Romans are wanting to make an example of you. You see, the Romans, whenever people did something wrong, they, they made you a slave. They put you to work. They didn't just execute you. They're like, well, we'll get some manual labor out of this. So for this guy to be hanging on a cross, we know he did something atrocious. And yet all he asks, all he says is, Jesus, remember me today when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus says, I will. <laughs> today you're gonna be with me in paradise. And by all accounts, I, I have to imagine, like, if there was somebody in the crowd that day uh, at Golgotha watching this play out, who was also in the crowd the day that the rich young ruler got turned away, they had to be like, what? This guy gets in? This guy is okay and this guy isn't? You see, we're, we're, we're terrible judges of character. <laughs> we don't really know what's going on at certain levels. And so if you are feeling discouraged, you're feeling like, man, I, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying as best as I can to follow Jesus, keep trying. Keep pushing through. Just keep pushing through. Don't worry what, 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 what kind of discouragement you're feeling. Keep pushing through. Keep just aligning yourself in agreement with God as best as you can and just trust it. Just trust it. Just trust where God is taking you. Okay, so uh, last, I've, I've got a few more minutes left. Last uh, uh, things that I wanna say as we get ready, uh, uh, just two more quick points to hit. The, kind of the summary of everything we've been talking about today is this idea, because you know our, our title for today, Saints, uh, and sinners, saints and sinners. What I want us to really walk, with, uh, walk away with today is this idea that your, your condition as a sinner doesn't change, it doesn't cancel out, it doesn't alter, it doesn't contradict your calling as a saint. Your condition as a sinner, it doesn't contradict your calling as a saint. These two things, as hard as it is to understand, as hard as it is to, to grasp and to, to wrestle with, these two things coexist at the same time. And the fact that you may still struggle with sin, the fact that you may still have areas where you're not perfect, it does not contradict what God has called you. Saved in Jesus. If you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, that doesn't contradict it, it doesn't cancel it out, it doesn't revoke it. Your condition as a sinner does not contradict your calling as a saint. So it's not I'm a saint or a sinner, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a saint and I'm a sinner. I, I, yes, I, I still sin, but you know what? I, I'm trying to get better because 
I know I'm a part of the family now. And I know I'm a part of God's family and I wanna live like I'm a part of the family. I wanna live like God has saved me. I wanna live like I'm the new creation that has come and that the old is gone. But just remember, your condition as a sinner, it doesn't contradict your calling as a saint. These two things are not mutually exclusive. In fact, they work together. They work together. Think about it. To become a saint, you have to acknowledge your condition as a sinner. They actually work in tandem in a lot of ways. They work hand in hand. We have to acknowledge our condition as a sinner before we have admission as a saint. We have to acknowledge this. It's an important thing. They go hand in hand. That's why you have the Apostle Paul who here uh, in Romans chapter eight is talking about what a wretched man I am. And then in 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul says this. This is just such an unbelievable statement. He says, here's a trustworthy saying that is worthy of all acceptance. Jesus Christ has come into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. That's the Apostle Paul saying that. So if you've ever wondered about, well, like, you know, my sin, and I don't know, I'm trying, but is it, does it have any effect on my salvation? Paul is showing us, he is beating us over the head in multiple letters that he writes saying, no, it doesn't. Your condition as a sinner does not contradict your calling as a saint. In fact, in some crazy way, acknowledging who we are, acknowledging our condition as sinners, what it ends up doing, and this is how things work in the kingdom, when we acknowledge our condition as sinners, it cultivates a deeper reliance on Jesus. Rather than it hurting our relationship, it strengthens it. Paul tells us that, that it's, it, it's in the, the moments of his own weakness, the moments when he feels like he can't do it on his own, the moments when he realizes how badly he needs a savior that God does his best work. That's when God comes through with power that he can't even begin to comprehend and fathom. And so no. Acknowledging your condition as a sinner does not contradict who you are and your calling as a saint. In fact, it can work hand in hand. And this is the last thing I'll say. And as the Holy Spirit works in you, as the Holy Spirit, as you come into agreement with God and the Holy Spirit works on you and starts to sanctify you and starts to change you more and more into Jesus, one thing that you'll realize, and this, this kind of could be its own sermon uh, on, it, on its own, so I promise I will wrap this up quickly, <laughs> um, But as as the Holy Spirit does that, we'll start to realize something that's so amazing and so powerful is that sanctification isn't a sacrifice from us. It leads to true satisfaction for us. It can be very easy to fall into this mindset of like, man, these are all the things I used to love to do and the Holy Spirit's working on me and and sanctifying me and changing me and I'm not who I was, but I'm not who I'm gonna be yet. And and as we're doing this, man, I, I feel like I'm just making sacrifice after sacrifice. Like, I've had to kind of cut off this relationship and I've had to change this habit that I've done. I've done this and I've done this and it just feels like sacrifice. Sanctification is not sacrifice. It's satisfaction. (laughs) It leads us to the true life that God had in mind for us. Let me read just one last time, Romans 8, verse 13. For if you live by its dictates, the sinful nature, you will die. But if through the power of the spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will die. Live. As Jesus said in John 10, 10, he has come to give life and give life to the fullest, a fulfilling life. It's what we talk about here at Cornerstone. We wanna help people find the father, a family, and a fulfilling future. We want people to walk into that fulfilling future that God has in mind for them, and that fulfilling future looks like sanctification. It looks like becoming more and more like Jesus. And this is, this is the last like, piece of this. Um, the, the, the warning that I would give The warning that I would uh, give as we talk about this, sanctification isn't a sacrifice. It's an easy thing for us to fall into the mindset that it is. 
and to feel bad for ourselves when we have to make a change, when we have to cut something off, when we have to do this or that. And it's very similar to the story of the prodigal son. Story of the prodigal son, you have a father and he has two sons, the, the older son who, who's remained faithful and stays with the father, the younger son who, who wants his money, he wants his inheritance, and then he leaves and squanders all of it. And he returns one day after he realizes what he gave up, returns to his father, and the father is overjoyed. The father throws a huge party, kills the fattened calf, and they have this big party to celebrate the son coming back. And how that story ends, as Jesus is telling it, is the older brother is incensed. He can't believe it. He's angry with the father. He goes to the father and he's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> this other son of yours has gone off. He, he squandered his inheritance. He's, he's sullied the family name. He's done all of these things. What in the world? Meanwhile, I've been here. I've been faithful. And scripture actually uses the word whenever he's talking about it. He says, I've slaved for you. Here in the house, I have slaved for you. I've stayed here. I've been faithful to you. I've slaved for you. And I think for a lot of Christians, we can feel that way about our relationship with God. We see somebody else come into the faith and they've still got sin. They've still got an area where they're missing the mark and they're not hitting God's ideal. And we look at them and go, you know what I had to give up to come in here? I've had people tell me this. Um, uh, uh, we, we used to have like different kind of restrictions on, on being on like our board of directors back in the day and stuff like that. Like you couldn't smoke and you know, you couldn't do this and you couldn't do that, all these different things. And it, it changed. We removed like the smoking things. We're like, well, that's, I mean, that's not, that's not the biggest thing that's gonna change the direction of our church if someone smoked a cigarette, right? Like we're, so we changed things like that. And we've had people who have been incensed that we did that. Like, <laughs> You mean I had to give it up, but people nowadays don't? I can't believe it. And I'm going, look, you, th that's such a smaller issue, like the, the smoking thing. But in general, you're acting as if sanctification isn't the end itself. You're acting as if it's, it's sacrifice and it's a, slave, it's a yoke of, of slavery that you've put on for God to, to give up all the things you really wanna do. And I can't believe they haven't had to give this up yet. I can't believe they haven't changed here yet. And what I wanna to scream to people when they think that way is sanctification is the reward itself. Becoming more like Jesus is the reward. It's not the sacrifice that gets you the reward. It's not, well, I really wanna talk back to that person and I really wanna do this and I wanna have my own way. But if it gets me the reward of heaven one day, then I guess I'll go along with it. That is so missing it. Becoming like Jesus is the end itself. It's not a means to an end. It is the end. Becoming like him is, is the joy, it's, 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 it's everything. Becoming more like Jesus, acting more like Jesus, it's the satisfaction itself, and I promise you, I promise you, as you start making choices that lead you in that direction, as you start making choices and coming to agreement with God, I promise you, if you're someone you've been seeing sanctification, becoming more like Jesus as a, a sacrifice that you're making, as like a yoke of slavery that you're living under, Man, you start making those choices and you will see, you know what? No, this is actually leading to the fulfilling life that God had in mind for me. This isn't a sacrifice. This is leading to satisfaction. This is leading to where I need to be. I, man, I, I could preach for another 50 minutes on this, just how I've seen it in my own life, how God has witnessed this in my own life, that as I've come into agreement with him, he's changed everything. And it's led me to a fulfilling life and God wants to do the same for you. He wants you to put your trust in him and to take those steps down the road to becoming more like Jesus because it will lead you to the most fulfilling life you could ever imagine.
Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.